You're listening to The Morning Joe Rant Show. A dig deep, embrace yourself, and enjoy the Wild Ride podcast. Topics of politics, climate, economics, life, and the pursuit to complain about everything. And complaining we shall do. Um, it's been a it's been a few weeks since I've uploaded a new podcast. Um, I was actually on a trip on vacation. Uh, I haven't taken a vacation in a long time, so it was good to just mellow out and not think of things. Um, but so much of the world has changed in that past week and a half. Um, so let's just dive into this. First thing, I got my quick clips, and there's a bunch of them today. Um, and then my main... My main ones are going to probably be the telecom industry spends 320000 a day to make sure your broadband sucks, um, wild super yacht secrets. Um, this was a article op-ed piece I thought was really interesting. I don't know how much of it's true, but I want to share it because it just kind of goes hand in hand with what we've been experiencing with the uber wealthy assholes of the world. And then I might get to this one, but it's kind of I don't I think this is like a self-explanatory federal government expected to declare first ever water shortage at Lake Mead. Um, so hopefully I can get to all that. I'm really trying to keep these short. So first thing I want to do is um, the quick clips. So this is a quote from Richard Buckminster Fuller. Um, I don't know what year this was from, but for those of you that don't know him, he is a American architect, sorry, an American architect, systems theorist, author, designer, inventor, and futurist. Um, I know very little about him, but this quote resonated with me hardcore, and I wanted to read it now. Um, we must do away with the absolutely... Uh, absolutely specious notion that every day everybody has to earn a living it is a fact today that one in ten thousand of us can make a technological breakthrough capable of supporting all the rest the youth of today are absolutely right in recognizing this nonsense of earning a living we keep inventing jobs because of the false idea that everybody has to be employed at some kind of drudgery because according to malthusian darwinian theory he must justify his right to exist so we have inspectors of inspectors and people making instruments for inspectors to inspect inspectors. The true business of people should be to go back to school and think about whatever it was they were thinking about before somebody came along and told them they had to earn a living. Just, I love that quote. Um, I think that explains a lot for me right now that we're just preoccupied with keeping busy to keep busy. Yeah, because we can't, and this is going to go into my my quick clips rants so that's the first thing i wanted to touch on in my quick clip rant second thing is um america is a land of subscription and passive income and multi-level marketing it's cold and callous and really doesn't care about people and i mean this as a whole and it's not again this isn't a right versus left thing it's everybody we've become desensitized to so much shit it's not video games it's not fucking movies it's it's education and NPR, the reason I'm saying this is, um, well, I originally thought that like the America is a land of subscription passive income because I was talking to one of my good friends through text messages and we were talking about how, or he was telling me how he has so many damn um, subscriptions for TV, for like TV shit because him and his wife watch TV, um, which again, teach their own. I don't have a problem with that. And um we were just talking about how he needed like four different fucking things. You know, he's like, I got rid of a cable bill, but now here I am back up, you know, doing 
you know, 50 bucks a month for stupid freaking channel, you know, channel stuff. So anyway, I got, I got me thinking and I'm like, it's not even that anymore. Music is subscription based now. Like you can still buy a CD, but you have to buy it online through, of course, fucking Amazon, um, which is ridiculous. And why is everything going so goddamn subscription based? Well, we live in a land of passive income and and I'm guilty of this too. Like I've said before on this podcast, I own a apparel company and um, it's not like you think though. It's not like I sit there with like fucking loads of shit ton of shirts sitting, you know, like I don't have a warehouse full of shirts. I use print on demand shit, but I make decent, I mean, per month, I make a couple hundred bucks a month off of it, um, off of designs I made. And, um, but the point that I'm trying to make is like, that's because we don't like, that's, it's not laziness. It's just like, that's what we've become is, is how can we consistently keep making money with doing the minimum amount of work? And, and, but then when we see people who, who like, when you're using that to sell products, it's okay. But when you're using that as a way of living, as like finding ways of being passive income where, you know, I don't know. It it just, it's goddamn frustrating. It's just really frustrating. And I find like the land of subscription and passive income because it's just constantly they want you to consume, consume, consume. And that's the problem. It's all subscription-based shit now. Like even, even, um, the, the you know razor of the month and all that uh, wine of the month and all this shit is crazy um and we're just cold and callous and we really just don't care about each other um and that just shows with the fucking pandemic you know the the masking and unmasking and the vaccine versus non-vaccinated and all this shit and i really want to go into is well, first off um, I'm going to save the Bezos rant for the last one, but NPR attacked Ben Shapiro. Now I'm going to first say this. I'm not a Ben Shapiro fan. Um, I don't agree with most of the things he says. Um, but I don't have a, like a problem. Like I, I'm one of those people that's like, everybody has a platform to talk and it, look at me. Like we're all guilty of listening to dumbasses, you know, and there's only really two people that I respect highly, highly that like it that are alive right now that like I take what they say somewhat like seriously. And it's John Stewart and um and Dave Chappelle. Those are two people that I actually like when I hear them speak, I feel like they're very extremely honest and they don't have like a thought process of like they, they really think what's right and wrong. Now, I could be wrong. Other people might not agree with me, but those two people in particular for me, and then the and the one that's dead is George Carlin because um, I just think he spoke truth about a lot of shit and people just didn't want to listen to him and they laughed about it, um, which he's a comedian. I get it. So is Dave Chappelle. But I think what they're saying is very, very, very true. Um, well, NPR attacked Shapiro. Now, some NPR stuff I really like. Um, I think they do a great job on like, data specific stuff like I did an article uh, they did the article on the the the, the healthcare guy that uh, did it a couple weeks ago um the guy that that convinced how convinced America that like healthcare the Canadian system was bad but then he regrets it so so NPR does some really good stuff now I don't agree with everything NPR says they're a left-leaning mainstream media company now Fox News and like OAN and um, Newsmax are like the really the only right wing 
um, news outlets we really have besides, and then like on the left, it's everything else like CNN, NBC, MS, or MSNBC, NBC, CBS, um, NPR. They all kind of lean left and that's fine, you know, but, but it's always comes with this extreme on both sides. Well, NPR attacked Ben Shapiro. And the reason I'm bringing it up is because I'm not a fan of fucking, like, I don't agree with most of the things Ben Shapiro says, but they came out and there's, they said outrage is a business model, how Ben Shapiro is using Facebook to build an empire. So NPR basically kind of attacked him on this and it was basically the same thing that like NPR called out Ben Shapiro on basically the same thing they fucking do too. Like, and it, and again, there's certain articles that, that NPR does that are really good, but they propagandize a lot of shit too on the left. And it's, Sorry if that, that noise was the ice maker. Um, they propagandize a lot of shit on the left. And they're getting pissed off because Ben Shapiro kind of owns the Facebook realm of of everything. And and it's kind of bullshit. It's like, dude, if you can't compete and you're pissed... And Joe Biden went after Facebook about some of this shit. And again, this is where it's like... So you're trying to silence your opponents when they're doing the same thing you're doing. And I don't... like, Like, this is where like... So I'm, I'm going to go into a little Ben Shapiro spiel um, real quick because these are quip clips and I'm trying not to go too too far. He had Neil deGrasse Tyson on. They debated about trans rights and stuff like that. And it made me laugh because Ben Shapiro brought up science as why aren't we using science and data to prove yada, yada, yada. Okay, well, if we're going to go that route, Ben... Can we use data and science to prove the vaccine? Can we use data and science to prove that masking helps? I mean, if you're going to use that as your piece, that science is not gender and this and that, and this is where, for me, this is the biggest spiel about it. Critical thinking is goddamn important. And that's why John Stewart and Dave Chappelle for me and George Carlin it's fucking critical thinking. And it's like, sure, I will take what Ben Shapiro says and hear what he has to say. But when it comes down to it, I'm not going to agree just because he leans right or, you know, or Neil deGrasse Tyson leans left. It's like, that's not what it is. Sure. Give me the data on what, you know, and, and I'm not even talking about the trans rights. It's just the fact that like why I brought up the American thing in the beginning of the podcast was there is no critical thinking going on in America right now with a lot of people. And Ben Shapiro brought up education. It was funny because it's like, I don't think you critically think, Ben Shapiro. <laughs> I think you you are on Facebook and you plead to an audience that takes in your, you, that's a highly big, the, the boomer generation is migrated onto Facebook and they spread a lot of false information on there. Do I think they should be silenced or you should be? No, not at all. If people want to listen to what you have to say and can't critically think, that's on them. But we're losing a lot of critical thinking. And I think this is where for me it's like NPR is trying to sit here and come out against Ben Shapiro. And it's like, well, you're doing the same thing Ben Shapiro does. You're just pissed off because you don't own the Facebook realm like he does. Well, then beat him. As in, go in the Facebook realm and start... Or, and start doing things, you know, but you do the same thing on the left. You propagandize shit. And, and I'm going to say this. I'm vaccinated. I technically don't have to wear a goddamn mask, but I still do. And it pisses me off. And it's not because 
I don't, you know, anybody could catch it. My point is, is I have a fucking nine-year-old at home that can't get vaccinated yet. Now, I don't give a shit if you don't want to get vaccinated or not. That's fine. Don't get vaccinated. Don't wear a mask. But I have a kid in my fucking house that I don't want to get this to. And I can still pass it to her even though I'm vaccinated. And I don't have a guaranteed security against it. So critical thinking comes in. And it's like, okay, so when I went on vacation, I was in the deep, deep south. And it made me fucking laugh the murmurs I got for wearing a goddamn mask inside. I'm sitting there with my daughter and I'm like, motherfuckers, like, it's got nothing to do with you. I'm protecting somebody in my life that I love. And don't, don't protect people. You, I don't give a shit. But critical thinking and science backs it up. Sure. People die from the flu. People do this and that. You're right. I am probably going to wear a mask permanently when I go out. Nobody has to do it either. But I don't have a problem not getting sick anymore. And masks don't really fucking bother me. In fact, it's quite the opposite. It makes me laugh that right-wingers don't want to because there's more anonymity to it. Nobody knows who the fuck you are. And you can sit there and go in and nobody knows and fuck it. So it, it and, and with all the face recognition shit going on too, I'm surprised that right-wingers who are the that extreme or whatever. So anyway, I went off on a tangent, but I thought it was funny that NPR attacked Ben Shapiro. And again, I don't really care for Ben Shapiro, but it's like everybody wants to silence what they don't agree with. And that's the goddamn problem to me. My next bit of... um of is Bezos and the billionaires in space. And I swear to God, I fucking hate this guy. I hate him to death. Quote from from Bezos. We need to take all heavy industry, all polluting industry and move it into space. It's one planet and we share it and it's fragile. We live on a beautiful planet. You can't imagine how thin the atmosphere is when we see it in from space. We live and it looks so, we live in it we live in it and it looks so big. It feels like this atmosphere is huge and we can disregard it and treat it poorly. And in that same fucking context, I swear to God, he said, um, it's going to take decades, but we need to do small steps. Motherfucker, we don't got decades because of your assholishness. And look at the massive floods hitting fucking Germany and China. But climate change doesn't exist, Bezos, you fucking piece of shit. I swear to God, his dick rocket that he flew up into space with was so ridiculous. And I can't stand him. And it pisses me off that that the mainstream media uses him as this goddamn fucking crutch. Like we should worship the fucking ground he walks on. Oh, that was the best thing he fucking said in the whole goddamn meeting. And he said it so cynically, cynically asshole-ish. He said... Thanks to the Amazon customers and all the workers, you paid for this. And he said it's so fucking condescending and it pissed me off so bad. So goddamn bad. Okay. Anyway, those are my quick clips. Um, let's go into my main story. So the telecom industry spends 320000 a day to make sure your broadband sucks. So this was a Gizmodo, um, a Gizmodo article. And telecom companies lobby hard to limit the deployment of fiber optic broadband to, wet, to wealthier neighborhoods because it helps them maintain their monopolies. Um, I'm just going to read a little bit of this and I'll include the article in my podcast show notes. Um, 
According to a new study conducted jointly by Common Cause, oh, I'm sorry, I skipped a paragraph. If broadband in the United States sucks, you can thank the telecom industry, which is apparently so obsessed with maintaining our current crappy internet infrastructure that it spent a combined total of or $234 million lobbying against faster, cheaper competitors during the 116th Congress. According to a new study conducted jointly by Common Cause, the Communications Workers of America Union, telecom giants spent nearly $320,000 a day on average in the course of their work to thwart, to thwart, I can't say this word, to thwart any legislation that would disrupt their ironclad grip on the broadband marketplace. Comcast, reportedly the worst offender, spent more than $43 million in last congressional session alone, with AT&T trailing at $36 million spent. The powerful ISP lobby will seemingly spend whatever it takes to keep politicians beholden to them and maintain a status quo that leaves too many Americans on the wrong side of the digital divide. The two groups wrote in their combined report. Um, For years, congressional efforts to pass legislation legislation needed to address the nation's longstanding disparities in connectivity have been stopped dead in their tracks in part because of aggressive industry lobbying and the oversized political influence of the largest ISPs. Both parties get these. Neither side gives a shit about you. Carlin said it. Neither side gives a shit about you. And this is why we have shitty infrastructure in America. Um, Oh, man, I'll include this article. There was more to it. I just didn't want to go too far into it. Um, Okay, so the next one. Wild super yacht secrets I learned when I became a deckhand. This was from... um, What was this from? I want to say Wall Street Journal. Sorry, guys. Bloomberg. So, from cannabis buffets to choppering and caviar, posh charter life can be a rough ride for the crew. This is a fucked up article. I mean, I I don't know if it's an op-ed. I, it's an op-ed piece, but this is from... Okay, I'm just going to read a little bit, and then I'm going to give some details. At a shipyard in the Netherlands, the world's mega-yacht maternity ward, the largest vessel of its kind, is being custom-built for Amazon.com Inc. founder Jeff Bezos at a projected cost that tops $500 million. With more than 400 feet of sleek aluminum and steel, it will join an elite new vessel category, the Giga-yacht. Um... The pandemic has intensified the desire to bubble oneself away from the world and widen the wealth gap further, making Bezos merely the latest business uh, magnet. I don't know what that word is. Magnata. Uh, I don't know what that word is. Sorry, it's weird. Fancying a life at sea when he's not in space. <laughs> the market's been roaring, says Sam Tucker, head of super yacht research at Vessels Value Limited in London. Secondhand sales are red hot and it's impossible to get a slot in the build yard. So um, th- there was a crew hand. Um, so even the onboard jobs have become competitive. There are hundreds of people clamoring to get spot on a boat, says Luke Hammond, captain of the 146-foot MY Bella, MY for motor yacht. Most applicants have fantasies of beachside bottle service and sailing to more than a dozen countries a year while attending to while attending to deep pocketed um I don't know what that fucking word is. Glitter this is how shitty of a person I am. I don't even know what the fuck this word means. Glitter glitterati. I don't know. Um, but reality for the crew, crew is hardly uh, sunning in Saint to- in Saint Tropez, 
St. Tropez and um, hobnobbing with sheiks as I quickly learned when I scored a position as a deckhand aboard the Bella, a pristine semi-custom six-cabin four-deck vessel with a skylight and floating tub in the outer suite. Okay, so privacy, he, he names a bunch of things. Privacy doesn't exist. Um, what's the other one? There's clean and then there's yacht clean. Um, sports stars are reputed to be messiest guests and most prone to trashing vessels. The biggest infraction in recent memory says a senior yacht life broker was a current NBA player who went on a boat in the morning and had wrecked it by lunch, dousing the interiors in sprayed champagne, then clogging all of the cabin toilets with his vomit. Um, sometimes you need a second boat for prostitutes. This was one. Um, gone are the days when pleasure yachts were drifting uh, cocaine dens. It's definitely not the 80s anymore, Hammond says. Boats can be impounded and captains arrested if illegal substances are found on board. Thanks to ubiquitous port laws, they clamped down on smuggling in the 90s. And a total U-turn in the Bahamas, once a prime drug-dealing way station, is now among the most family-friendly locals along with much of the Caribbean. And in general, there's no um, narcotics rules are so strict. Hammond has had to fire a few deckhands over the years for occasionally smoking a blunt off the bow of his ships. Prostitutes are a different story. We see day-use girlfriends on other boats all the time, says Christopher Soria, the Bellows chef, especially in the Med. He's even witnessed his, his spenders fill a secondary super yacht with women to trail the lead vessel, swapping them on and off 10 at a time throughout the course of several days. Often a yacht will be rented for two weeks. God, stocking the fridge is a seven-person job. Um, the uh, choppering in caviar is like an Olympic relay. Oh, this was this was crazy. Um, whenever whatever Middle Eastern clients want, they want in abundance. They eat like Americans, but want five times the portion size. Always serve buffet style, Sora says, and they only eat around ten percent. Emirati and Saudi wives um, like to like to commandeer, commandeer his kitchen to cook meals just as their families like them. I don't usually mind, Sawyer says. I get to learn new recipes. For Russians, it's a lot of lentils, he continues. You know besides the uh, vodka and caviar. How wasteful. Like that should make your goddamn blood boil with 10%. They only eat around 10% of it. The rest goes to waste. Um... Oh, here was here was the good one. Um, uh, once in an ultra remote part of the Caribbean, he had to magically conjure more champagne and caviar, calling up a pres- uh, provisioner in Florida, and then organizing a private plane to fly into St. Lucia. From there, Jones said, "We had to hire a boat to run in halfway of our vessel to our vessel, so I could take a tender and ferry it the rest of the way." Crew are often more spoiled than the guests. Um, it all it's all about the tips and actually they were saying that the pay is like three thousand dollars a month and that's been that way for decades so they really haven't gotten a pay increase um you lose going in and going out uh super yachts cost a million dollars for every three feet you build because they measure at least 120 feet buying one will set you back about 40 million before common add-ons such as jacuzzis and helipads and then there are the toys from jet skis to five million dollar submarines this is insane. I'll include this article. I feel bad. I'm ranting off on this, but it just kind of makes me laugh because I don't know the delusion of it all. 
it's just insane to me that this is like how fucking people you know there's a really good quote and I can't remember it um but it was like basically I'm I'm paraphrasing this is not what it is so I'm an idiot so you you might have to look it up but it's basically like the wealthy walk over the poor because for they don't see the dead that like the death that they leave behind like normal like like people who would hurt somebody else they don't see the people they hurt because they just can't they don't physically see them because there's so many of us anyway it's some random quote like that i completely fucked it up so you probably gotta research it yourself but last thing i'm gonna say is the federal government expected to declare first ever water shortage at lake mead uh this is fucked up um where did my article go here we go this is from las vegas uh channel 8 news now um Last week, we took a look at the Colorado River system, which brings water to millions of people in the West, including right here in Las Vegas. But water levels at Lake Mead keep dropping. The federal government is expect- expected to declare its first ever tier one shortage. Um, there's a picture from November 2000 to June 2021, and it is disturbing because it's basically like there's no more like water is not filling in. So everything's just getting pushed back out due to the droughts. So it's not getting replenished. Uh, I'm going to skip through the article a little bit. Um, When you look at the kind of average over the last 10 years, the Colorado River provides about 25% of the water that's used in Southern California. Places like Las Vegas, Phoenix, and Tucson also get water from the river, but soon they may not be getting as much. We're at a point where some serious decisions will likely have to be made, says Doug Hendricks, U.S. Bureau of Reclamation. He says in August, the record low water levels in Lake Mead expected to trigger the Bureau's first ever declaration of Tier 1 water shortage on the system. That would mean cutbacks starting next year in the amount of Colorado River water sent to Nevada and Arizona, states that have already seen reduction in their share of river water. Mexico would also get less. But because the of a, because of senior water rights and other agreements, California's share of water from the Colorado won't be cut just yet. But if the attend... If the trend continues, California could be next, which is huge. California is the fifth biggest economy in the world. I, th- I want to say it's the first in America, maybe. Maybe New York's might be in front of it. I don't remember, but I know it's the fifth in the world. So I should tell you something. This is fucked up. Um, people don't want to see it, and then instead they're distracted by the Jeff Bezos flying his penis rocket ship into space and him pretending like you can just send goddamn garbage up into space. He's a fucking idiot. This is why I said on my previous podcast, just because people have money does not make them the smartest. And I'm not saying he's an idiot, but he's an asshole when it comes to this kind of shit where he's like, it's going to take decades for us to get to that point, but baby steps. Motherfucker, we don't got decades anymore. And it's proving it now. Those massive floods in fucking Germany and China, the droughts happening all over the fucking U.S., those fucking goddamn heat waves. It's insane. And people are just pretending like the hopium for the masses is insane to me. That's going to be my new band name, hopium for the masses. Anyway, I went off on a tangent. I'm going to end it at this point because I don't want to go too far and I feel like I did. All right. So thanks all for listening. It's awesome seeing the jump in um, listeners. Please keep coming back for more. I got other podcasts I do that if you're interested in crypto or I have another one that I do that I need to get back on. Um, My things that make you go, hmm, I just haven't had a chance to get to it. Anyway, y'all have a good one. This week's podcast was brought to you by Connect Go Internet Inc. Bringing your business to the future, connectgo.com.